Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Delighted that you're joining us today. When you get a chance, please check us out at consumerguide.com. While you're there, check out our 2021 Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you were looking for a new car or truck. You also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles that we're driving here at Consumer Guide and all sorts of other fun stuff. And, and you can catch up on back episodes of the podcast right there on our homepage. How cool is that? All right, let's see who is online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and her freelance work can be found all over the internet. Hello, Jill Simonello. Hello, Tom Appel. How are you? I am uh, doing fairly well. I, I too am good. You, you, <laughs> you and I were just talking before we went live here about a piece of news from Cox Automotive. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, Cox sent out some information. Um, Actually, they sent it out on Monday. I just saw it today. But um, (laughs) apparently, the estimated average transaction price for a a vehicle in the United States has gone up again. So the average price is now $42,258. That is up more than $2,000 over last year this time. Yeah, that's a that's lot crazy. of money. An, an <laughs> that's crazy. Point. It's crazy, and it's a lot of money. One of the things about this, and it's being discussed a lot, is the impact of car prices on the core rate of inflation. And a point mm-hmm. I want to make is that manufacturers have not raised the prices on cars. The prices that you see on the window stickers have not gone up, or they haven't gone up a lot, or they've gone up in a few cases. What has mm-hmm. happened is this, the, the chip shortage means that transaction prices are going up because no one is dealing on cars. There's yep. no haggling to be done. Most people are paying less price. Also, and this is effectively a price increase, manufacturers have stopped incentivizing vehicles. Mm-hmm. So the rebates just aren't there anymore. But a lot of this stuff will back off when cars start showing up on dealer lots again. Yeah, so the, the moral of that story is if you don't have to buy a new car right now, wait. <laughs> yes, don't. Don't know. I know someone that just bought a car and they basically paid list price for it. So, yeah. All right. Hey, he's the senior editor here at Consumer Guide Automotive and he still makes all his own mixtapes. Welcome, Damon <laughs> Bell. I don't have a cassette deck anymore. Oh, did you ever I, make mixtapes? Um, I. I think I did, yeah, and I was the receiver of mixtapes as well. It was never, but I did it, it was never a particularly romantic thing, because isn't that something that you you used to do for your girlfriend? I did. Yeah. (laughs) I did, but they weren't like romantic tunes. It wasn't like I was trying to woo her with the music on the tapes. I was just making cool tapes. Well, so you were trying to woo her with your cool music knowledge. My music savvy. Savvy. Okay. <laughs> which, which in nineteen in the nineteen eighties, music savvy meant that I had some new order twelve inch singles. <laughs> uh, I don't remember mixtapes as much as just copyright infringement, copying <laughs> off a full album that I was too cheap to buy myself. That that oh, was man. something that happened. <laughs> there was a morning show on WCPT, or not WCPT, I'm sorry, um, WXRT in Chicago, and I cannot remember the name of the show, but it was all Beatles, and it was either Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Everyone I knew just threw a cassette in the player and just, just listened played. and just recorded that. Was that Breakfast <laughs> Breakfast with the Beatles? It was. Yeah, is it, don't they do that on, oh, what's the more adult contemporaries? Yeah, XRT, yeah. Breakfast with the Beatles, yeah. Wait, did you just call XRT adult contemporary? <laughs> Isn't it kind of that? You just made a lot of people feel very old. Well, well join the club. Join the club. No, because XRT used to be Chicago's first alternative rock station. Okay, I guess it still kind of is. Kind of edgy? <sighs> yeah, sort of. As edgy as any station with a lot of 70-year-old disc jockeys can be. <laughs> right. 
Oh, man. Uh, I, <laughs> I, so I would like to point out that my husband tells me I have the musical taste of a 13-year-old boy, so uh-huh. uh, mm. I have no idea what you guys are talking about with XRT. I, don't, I couldn't even tell you what station that is on the dial. That's fine. 93.1 <laughs> FM. But, uh, Got it. Uh, Damon, I missed practice today. What's going on? Uh, we have a return guest today with a oh. great topic to talk about. That's Ford F-150 marketing manager Brian Bell. Uh, we had him on last year, wasn't it? I believe to talk about the just the new F1, the redesigned F-150 in general. Uh-huh. Uh, this time we're having him on to talk specifically about the uh, the new Ford F-150 Lightning. That's of course the pure electric version of the F-150. And so is that a big be, deal, Damon? Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I would maybe put it put it as one of the biggest deals of 2021, actually. Yeah. I would, I would go so far as to call it absolutely historic. I think that this is an important, an important point in the automotive history timeline. For sure. So that, that will be in our next segment. But uh, there was also some news. I wanted to talk to you guys about VW uh, okay. for the first segment here. I'm sure you guys saw that uh, to no one's r- genuine surprise, uh, the Passat has uh, an end of life in its near future. The Volkswagen is going to be phasing out its midsize Passat sedan. Mm-hmm. I think they said after 2023, if I remember right. So uh, if you want a traditional Volkswagen midsize sedan, uh, you better get on that now because the Passat will not be hanging around for much longer. Um, you, you guys weren't surprised by that, were you? I was a little surprised. Um, okay. but it, it actually, this has been rumored for a long time, but it's interesting to me that Volkswagen has chosen to keep the Ardeon, yeah. the lower volume, slightly upscale variant of that vehicle, mm-hmm. and get rid of the higher volume Passat. But maybe margins are higher on the Ardeon. Maybe they think the Ardeon better fits their image. I don't know. But I'm, I'm a little surprised by the decision because yeah. there's fewer and fewer players in that segment. That's true, and and the Ardeon is such a, a slow seller. I, I thought that same thing, Tom, and I'm wondering if the logic is uh, Passat is a very traditional midsize sedan, which has been you know seriously supplanted by the SUV. So I wonder if VW's logic is since the Ardeon is so much sleeker and more stylish looking than the Passat that that would attract if if you're going to stick around with a car if you're going to s- stick with a car versus an SUV you you are doing so because you want that style and sleek look and and the RDN does deliver that more than a than a Passat does uh, the other thing that might be going on too is that the Passat is built here in Tennessee and they might just want that factory space I think that's a big part of it yeah well, and speaking to that, did you see the news that Volkswagen came out with today? No. Just, uh-uh. Like, literally, just right as I was c- calling in for this, um, they revealed the Atlas Cross Sport GT concept. So, mm. I mean, you, you could be onto something where uh, maybe they want the space to, to expand to build, you know, this new vehicle. And I, as I'm, I'm like, lit- I literally just skimmed it before the show because they just sent the email. But it says it's a heavily modified cross sport um, with sporty potential. And um, it'll have like a customized 2.0 liter TSI engine that makes 300, and, 300 horsepower. So, I mean, they're calling it a concept, but I, I mean, it, it looks pretty real to me. <laughs> so yeah, they've got big plans to stay to, to, to bolster their crossover lineup because that's what everyone does now. They they right. bolster their crossover lineups. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I just thought that was interesting and and quite timely as we were talking about Volkswagen today that um, they announced this um, cross sport GT concept. Uh, so. Is it is it just me? Am I the only one that's still kind of scratching my head a little bit at hot rod SUVs? <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no, it's not just you. If you want something that handles on road, don't you want something that's a little bit less bulky, a <laughs> little bit lower center of gravity? I guess, I guess I get it. I mean, they're the dominant vehicle type. And if that's the, the kind of vehicle that the lion's share of shoppers want, then 
a high performance version of that is still going to attract more buyers than a traditional passenger car. But yeah, the, the high performance on road <laughs> element of it, it's just you're starting, you're digging yourself out of a little bit of a hole from a physics and weight transfer <laughs> standpoint. Oh, it's funny you should say that. I've been scratching my head ever since Chevrolet introduced the Trailblazer SS, if you remember that beast. I do. Mm-hmm. And the Saab 97X Aero, uh, which were, were, those vehicles were mechanically kin, um, but they were both stuffed full of Corvette-derived 6-liter V8. <laughs> it's like, why are they starting with this 5,500-pound nightmare? <laughs> it just... No. It was so counterintuitive. And actually, I think those both rode and handled and accelerated pretty well. I think they were under. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people thought that they could have beefed up the stopping ability. but Yeah. And it's a, it's a genre that has really, really, really proliferated, what with Trackhawks and mm-hmm. Ford Edge STs. And, it, it, you know, sales are the ultimate determiner of what gets made. So clearly, customers uh, want them. I'm still scratching my head a little, though. <laughs> so so when one door closes, another one opens up, and Volkswagen is killing off the Passat, but they're bringing in the Taos. Someone tell me about the Taos. Yeah, yeah so that is... Uh, I, because that, and that's the other element, too. Last week we talked about, when, you know, in our Chicago Auto Show recap, that Volkswagen use the 2021 Chicago Auto Show to roll out the U.S. spec versions of its Golf GTI and Golf R. Uh-huh. You mentioned at the time that those two high-performance versions of those cars are the only Golfs yeah. we are getting mm-hmm. in America uh, moving forward. So we've got to pour one out for the traditional Golf, which I think among us and most auto journalists is, is still one of our favorites. Uh, it was a great car. Just excellent accessible everyday kind of driver's car hatchback and i'm sort of sad to see the uh garden variety golf go but you can really the taos is a new for 22 volkswagen suv we've talked about it before too when they first unveiled it uh the taos is a new for 22 volkswagen suv that slots in underneath the tiguan in volkswagen's suv lineup it's essentially volkswagen's new entry-level suv kind of straddles the line between the subcompact and compact categories and basically you can think of the taos as the regular golf's replacement in the U.S. market. That's yeah, essentially taking the spot of the Golf hatchback in Volkswagen's yeah. product lineup. It, it's interesting, too. I mean, we've seen this elsewhere, and I'm just waiting to find out that the Hyundai Accent has been crushed by the Hyundai Venue. <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for people who don't know, the Hyundai Venue is a tidy little, very likable small crossover, mm-hmm. only available with front-wheel drive. But it's sitting there in the showroom next to the sad little Hyundai Accent, which was also a surprisingly refined little car, but they can no longer give it away. And, and, and ultimately, the crossover is going to be the base vehicle in that lineup. You haven't heard that the Accent's officially going away, though, have you? I have not heard that. But you would oh. not be surprised. No, but if we were doing a death watch, I might pick, like, <laughs> yeah. we, would hear, we would hear news in the next 12 months. Right. Yeah. The interesting well, thing, too, I'm sorry, but we were talking no, about the uh, uh, the Tiguan, which started off as sort of Volkswagen's entry-level crossover, and that's been bumped up a notch, and it got bigger and now has a third row. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, Damon, you were going to say something? No, actually, I was – go ahead with your thought. I was I was going along with that. Yeah, we just keep seeing that where the entry-level vehicle gets pushed up a notch and then – Something in comes up yeah. – comes in below it. Yes, that's been happening since the, the dawn of the automobile, like even in the 50s, like – when, when Chevy came out with the Bel Air, that was the top line trim level. Within five years, it's uh, pushed down by the Impala. Uh, <laughs> there's always a there's always a model creep to get so, more upscale. Well, we, we should also talk about how this happened with the Atlas, because we saw the Atlas first, and then we saw the Atlas Cross Sport. And I like the Atlas Cross Sport, and I am completely gullible and victimized by marketing and positioning 
where I like the Crossport, I think, more than <laughs> the base Atlas or the standard Atlas for no good reason. It is actually less vehicle, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit shorter, it's a little bit smaller, it's a little bit more cramped in the, in the second row, and, and it's not that much less expensive. So there's no real reason to like that car, except that it's called Sport. It looks a little sportier. I don't know if it feels sportier, but I'm a sucker for it. You like the sloping, the sleeker, slightly sleeker roof line? I do. Yeah. Oh, man. But that, the, the Atlas, the big Atlas, I can't believe that it's already due for a freshening, but I guess that goes under the knife soon, right? For 2022 or 2023? Yeah, I think, yeah, 2023, both the Atlas and the Atlas Crossboard are due for a freshening. I think they already got something of a facelift for, for 2021, yeah. They, they, yeah. The original Atlas, I believe, came out for 2018, so it's already been around for a while. Things, things move fast. Huh. So anyway, a lot of stuff going on at Volkswagen. We could probably talk more about this sometime in the future, but we have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Ford's Brian Bell about the all-new Ford F-150 Lightning all-electric pickup. You don't want to miss this conversation. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and I'm darn happy you decided to stick around with us today. Hey, this is the part of the show, and I strongly recommend that you follow me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is car underscore guy underscore Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain you. All right, by now you've probably heard that Ford will soon be selling an all-electric version of the immensely popular F-150 pickup truck. Here to talk about that historic vehicle and all its implications, none other than the marketing manager for the F-150. Welcome to the Car Stuff Podcast, Brian Bell. So thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here today and, uh, and talk about the new Lightning. But I'll tell you, the F-150 Lightning has just been so much fun to launch, the excitement, and the people that are interested in it. It's, it's, uh, it it's, it's been great so far. I'm going to just go out and say that this is probably the most significant vehicle we've discussed yet on the podcast. It, it, I think it's hard to put into perspective just how important this vehicle is. And I haven't even driven it, and we don't know all the specs yet. Uh, but, but, but tell us, why are we doing this exactly now, and, and who is the customer for the F-150 Lightning? Well, you know, it's, it's uh, um, really uh, there's there's so much interest in, in electrification in the in the marketplace, and um, particularly F one fifty customers. We've done a lot of research, and there's there's just a lot of them that are really interested in what electric vehicle can can do, right? What it can provide. Uh, it's a bit of a different experience for them, you know. And it and there's there's definitely uh, some some things that are they're just really excited about. Right? One of the big ones is they don't want to go to a gas station, so the, the idea of being able to charge that at home every night. I have a full battery the next day that'll, that'll do everything you need was fascinating when I heard it in research over and over again, you know, the number of people that just thought that was great. But, you know, the, the, the really the secret to, to electric is the, is really what it does from that power, performance, um, handling, and then that uh, the extra space it gives you, right? So those those two motors, the truck comes standard with, with two electric motors in it. Uh, and so with those two motors, it's all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive, and it goes zero to 60 in the mid-four-second range, right, in a, wow. in a full-size pickup truck you know um and so it just is so much fun to drive and then of course all that battery weights at the bottom it's between the frame rails under the cab um and so all that battery weights low so a low center of gravity and um because we put those electric motors on the axles inboard where we thought they'd be the safest best protected really the most built for tough way to, to do an electric pickup truck uh, we put an independent rear suspension on the truck too so so it the the drive the performance the handling those characteristics are just a riot in this vehicle and when you do get a chance to drive it you'll you'll certainly understand what i'm what i'm talking about brian you said the electric motors are inboard tell us what what that means and why that's good so uh, you know there's there's choices on where you put the electric motors you can put a hub design in the wheel itself uh, uh-huh. in the wheel hub or in our case, we put them on the axles inboard, um, where we can put you know skid plates and things around to protect them. The, we felt like that was a better design for what the truck was going to be. You know, if you're off-roading, there's opportunity for things to get in those hubs that you can actually protect better for uh, on that inboard design. So that's really why we made that choice. 
So I think the first question that anyone looking at an electric vehicle asks, or especially someone who maybe doesn't know that much about electric vehicles, is how far will this vehicle go on a single charge? Um, so we have two batteries in it. The standard battery is a 230-mile range, and we have an extended range battery that will go up to 300 miles. Um, and we did a lot of research on that, right? What's the number that customers are really looking for? What do they need? We have a lot of a lot of data on actual usage so we can see how far people drive in a day, um, you know, because it's, it's a balancing act. It's, it's, uh, batteries are expensive, so what's, what's the balance that gives the customers exactly what they need without overpaying for what they don't need um, and really covers the marketplace? And so 300 really was that sweet spot for us. And uh, we think, you know, based on the response from customers, we think it's going to be a really uh, a, a great um, setup for us with these two power, these two battery packs, I should say. Um, our 230-mile range, you, know, you might ask about that one, really that's targeted. I mean, retail customers can buy it, and there's a lot that will. But at uh, the commercial market, those commercial customers really are looking. They know what their routes are every day. They know how far they go, right? And they, are, they, they don't want to overpay for range in that case. So that 230-mile range really works well for them. Um, and for that commercial retail or, or commercial fleet kind of customer, which, by the way, there's a, just a lot of interest in this vehicle from them. They, uh, um, the idea that it has, you know, less maintenance and less downtime because there's less things that happen. You know, there's about 40% less parts in an electric truck than a gas one. Um, and a lot, of course, you don't need the, the normal oil changes and transmission fluid changes and things. So a lot less maintenance time, and then they can charge it overnight so it's you know, ready to go, just like a retail customer every day. So they, they really like the idea of that, the lower cost of ownership and the lower maintenance side. Yeah, you brought up the the fleet type, you know, commercial use customers, and I'm very curious about that. Um, do you do you see a, a pretty even split? Because in the you know in your development process for the Lightning, it really seems like you paid a lot of attention to worksite use and you know being able to use power tools and and you know uh, durability on worksites and that sort of thing. Do you see the split between regular civilian customers and, and construction sites, site slash commercial slash fleet use being kind of a 50-50 split? And um, what sort of, are you taking sort of, are you taking special steps to reach those fleet customers or, and let them know about this vehicle? And if so, how are you doing that? Um, so, you know, the, the retail customer is more than three-quarters of our volume. Um, okay. But the retail customer, they, they buy a truck because they need a truck as well. So those those things that you learn and do to make it capable for that work site um, really apply to that retail customer, right? They, you, you know, there's a lot of vehicle choices out there. So if you buy a truck, it's generally because you need a truck to do something today or you're going to need it in the future, right? It's uh, It might be for your work. You might use it uh, on a daily basis for work. Um, you might need it for your recreational purposes. We we actually kind of call it with F-150 Workreation because it's a vehicle that can wow. do that work and recreational things. You know, you, it's just as comfortable on the campsite as it is the job site or at the boat ramp or at the steakhouse for dinner that night, right? It's a it's a vehicle that really fits all of those all of those things, but it all starts being built for tough and that strength and that foundation that our customers really look for and rely on, knowing that it'll do whatever whatever those things are that they're looking for it to do. So in that respect, yeah, I, I, that's interesting that you say that because there's probably less of a division between regular home use and, and worksite customers than I'm imagining because the home user is probably going to ha- ask the truck to do a lot of those same things. So with that in mind, then, do you, does, does a single message kind of reach both uh, civilian buyers and fleet buyers equally? Do you even need to tailor things uh, to reach those markets? No, we, we do. Our, our fleet commercial team actually goes out and, and, you know, contacts and works with those customers and has kind of some separate um, separate things that they do. Uh, but really from a broader message, you'll notice that when we talk about F-150, all F-150s and, and Lightning as well, you will see some like worksite in the, in, next to uh, campsite images then um you know you'll you'll see it working on a, a person working on their house while in the back maybe building a deck their swing set at the same time as you might see it with a cement mixer behind it you know so you know we know those customers kind of use it for that variety of things and and frankly the both sets of customers the retail customer appreciates seeing that it can do those commercial things and the commercial customer really likes knowing that that you know um from a capability and and 
comfort, convenience, and efficiency standpoint that the retail customers see that value as well. So it's a they really complement each other when you're talking about it in the marketplace. Hmm. Hey, Brian, we, we can talk a little bit about charging here because I think a lot of people are going to think about how they can work with this vehicle as something that they have, that they own and live with every day. Um, if we talk about the top range, the 300-mile version of the F-150 Lightning and a standard level 2 home charger, we're probably looking at, and I don't know the battery yet capacity because you guys haven't released those specs, but we're probably looking at like 18 to 20 hours to fully charge a completely depleted battery if you use a standard level 2 charger. But you guys are making available two additional levels of charging for home use. Can you talk about those and how you guys are helping facilitate the installation of those? Sure, sure. So with our extended range battery, right, the 300 mile range battery, we're actually including with the vehicle an 80 amp wall box um, for customers to install in their house. And with that 80 amp wall box, right, that's a that's a level two charger, but it's a level two charger with with more, you know, more energy than most will put out. Um, with that 80 amp wall box, it'll charge in about uh, from 15 to 100 percent in about eight hours. So, you know, it's it's really. Um, uh, we're really looking for customers. Want to, you know, we heard them loud and clear. They want to be able to charge it overnight and have it ready to go the next day. This is a great way to do that for them. Um, and to enable that ADF to really work, there's actually internally in the vehicle, there's there's two chargers, right? So it's not two charging ports. You plug it into one place. But internally, to accept all that energy, we have two chargers that will actually accept it and funnel it to the battery on that accelerated battery pack. So what will that cost the consumer to install that charger? Um, you, you know, the, the, the charger comes with the truck, the installation, where we don't have anything right now to say, like, through Ford, we're working through some different things, and, and we'll have some announcements closer to launch. Um, but at the same time, customers can go outside and get their own electrician to install that charging system as well, um, you, you know, uh, on their own, you know, with, with their own kind of deals that they can work up in their marketplace. But we'll have more on the company side of it here uh, as we get closer to launch um, next spring. And when is launch? Uh, we expect them to, to start rolling out and showing up at dealerships next spring, summertime. Next spring, summertime. And and then will these go to all dealers or just specially trained dealers or dealers that bought into the product? How will you distribute these? Um, so it, so our, our dealer network, one of our biggest strengths, right, for Ford, we, uh, um, the dealers do have to go through EV certification in order to sell this vehicle. Um, uh, the majority of them have over 90%. I don't remember the exact percentage, but it, it's over 90%. Um, oh, so there's okay. over 2,300 certified dealers nationwide that will be able to sell this truck, service this truck, take care of our customers. And and again, our dealer partners have been, they're, they're one of our greatest assets, right? They they know our customer. They know our vehicles. They, they work really well in, those, in their in their hometowns, their marketplaces. And so uh, really excited that so many are, are on board to be a part of the electric, uh, the electric vehicle launch. Yeah, so you've got almost complete dealer buy-in then. Oh, yeah, yep. All right, so I want to switch gears a little bit, and I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is the frunk. Uh, and for, for somehow, who, somehow I knew oh. this was going to come up. Oh. We, it's uh, not a, we, we got to bring up the frunk. Brian, you have no idea. Well, He's all it, about the frunk. If, uh, there, there was a very good front, I, I was so because it, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the truck. It's <laughs> well, and there's a very good picture uh, floating around the Twitterverse of me in the frunk of the F-150 Lightning from the Chicago Auto Show. Um, but but I wanted to talk about that a little bit because I think it's a really interesting feature. Now, not all electric vehicles have a frunk or a front trunk, but a lot of them do. And um, the F-150 Lightning has a pretty amazing one. I think that. The number I've heard tossed about is 400 liters, and so I just I just wanted to talk a little bit about like what that means and like what what you can actually fit back there, you know, and and specifically I'm wondering if you can fit a, golf clubs in there, <laughs> but uh, but just talk a little bit about the the frunk and and what it is and and all the good stuff that goes along with it. So uh, you, you know it, it it's. Um it's funny. One of the one of the things about electric vehicle, right? You don't need that gas engine under the hood. Um, right. And when you talk to truck customers, one of the things you've heard, you know, I've been on, I've worked on F one fifty now in the company for about fifteen years. Consistently, you've heard all over this whole length of time I've been around, and long before me was, I want, I need, I want closed, lockable storage from in my truck mm -hmm. somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. 
So we looked at this as an opportunity to not just give them a little bit of storage like a typical trunk is. We took that the majority of that engine compartment, opened it up. We actually opened it up from the bumper, right? When you open that mm-hmm. hood, um, even the grill area goes up with the hood. So it's right. It's easy load from the bumper. And you're right. It's 400 liters of storage, 400 pounds of payload. Um, you know, it's and it's actually powered in there. It's got it's got uh, four 110 plugs in it, plus two more USB plugs, so customers can do so much with this um, with this trunk. And it, and we actually call it the Mega Power Trunk because it's so large, and it's got you know power in it that we we decided that we better name it so that so that people really remember just all the things they can do with it. I mean, it's it's even got a, it's a washout. It's got a drain in it. So if you want to put bags of cement in there, if it's raining, you don't want them to get wet in the back of the trunk. You can load them in the trunk if you want to. To. You know, it's got that kind of capability. But um, you know, the the from your golf club question, it actually holds two bags. So we ah. we, we checked that specifically, and uh, so you and a friend could easily put your golf bags in the in the Mega Power front and take off to the <laughs> golf course. Uh, well, or uh, with the power, right? We have we have power plugs in the front. We have uh, power plugs in the back. We have power plugs inside. You know, that there's actually eleven. Um, uh, AC plugs in the truck. Uh, you could actually have a tailgate in the front and a separate tailgate in the back if you wanted to have two different games on at the same time and have you know <laughs> have the, uh, here, here in Michigan it'd be the Michigan fans on one end of the truck and the Michigan State yeah. fans on the other. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so. I just, I just, I, 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 and you've got the with those power outlets in the front. Uh, I was told that <laughs> I just want to have a tailgate party and have a big old crock pot of nacho cheese dip in the front. That's that's like the <laughs> ultimate we, tailgate uh, tailgate we, machine. We can, you know, the trucks certainly could do that for you. Next to the nacho <laughs> cheese dip, you could probably have a full refrigerator, right? It's, uh, yeah. You know, we we could handle it, and uh, so it'd be that'd be a great thing, right? Oh, the so- TV in the back. The, Open the front, nachos in the front. Go help yourself. Big fountain of them. So, so you, so yeah, it, it has the capability. It has enough juice that you could power at least like a dorm room fridge or something as well. Correct? Oh, oh, it, it has nine point six kilowatts of available outlet power. Okay. You need all of those power outlets. So that that really. Um, uh, well, geez, on the uh, on our F one fifty, our hybrid F one fifty that we sell, we have seven point two kilowatts of power, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. can power twenty eight refrigerators. So this will power more than that. So, um, wow. you know, I, I I don't know what nine six equates to a number of refrigerators, but it's a, it'd be a lot. <laughs> Keep oh, plenty man. of things cold. So. <laughs> The, the other the, the, the other thing the other thing too uh, so I it's it's you know we almost take for granted just that since it's our job to cover the industry we have to stay up to date on on new vehicle developments and what have you but general consumers don't and yes Jill made reference to the picture she had of herself sitting in the F150 Lightning's <laughs> trunk and I was struck by I I believe there was a comment on Facebook Jill where someone said they they were clear it was a woman very clearly taken aback like where's the engine if it's not there so i think an an indirect an indirect benefit of the frunk is that if you are not really paying attention that gets your attention in a real hurry as to hey this is not your normal full-size pickup truck Yes. Oh, it sure does. If people open that up, and, and you know what's, what's interesting, we've done a lot of events now and had had people stand around the uh, the vehicle, and uh, the the trunk the is actually powered. So you you open that hood um, with a power. You can do it off the key fob, off of the the Ford Pass app, off of a button in the in the vehicle, or on our sync screen, or even from our control buttons on the door, right? Where you can unlock the vehicle. And every time that that trunk opens, it gets about a third of the way up, and somebody inevitably goes, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> because it's just so surprising and so big and so useful, right? Every, yeah. Everybody instantly has a use for it. So it's it's not what you're expecting to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Brian, I've got. Well, I, um, I, I actually googled and found your picture of it in the front. It, you look right <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian, you have one more acronym to trademark, uh, and that's FFCD or Frunk Full of Cheese Dip. I'll write that one down. We'll we'll go look at that. Yeah, yeah. I think that'll help you sell the vehicle. Uh, (laughs) All right. We are flat out of time, Brian. Thank you for joining us today. 
Well, you know, thank you so much for having me on. And, you know, any there's a lot more information about the F-150 Lightning out there. I encourage everybody to go to Ford.com and really check it out. Uh, we're taking reservations at this point. They can go on there and make a reservation for $100 as well. You know, uh, uh, thank you so much for having me come on and, and talk about the vehicle. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for joining us today. That's Brian Bell with Ford, the new F-150 Lightning, due out early next year. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's quiz time. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and I'm really happy you're sticking around today. Hey, Jill. Hey, yeah. You do social media stuff. Uh, elaborate on that thought. <laughs> elaborate. Um, yes. <laughs> no, yes, I do social media stuff. So I've got um, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, my new favorite, TikTok. And I am found in all three of those items at Jill Simonello. So just my my name, all one word. And I use the hashtag Cartajour. So if you're just kind of searching around and you're a hashtag searcher, um, search for Cartajour. You'll find me. Sounds good. Hey, Damon, you just, uh, you just became active on Big Fuzzy. Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> big fuzzy i got nothing for that big fuzzy little fuzzy i got nothing fuzzy sorry, was he I, was a bear sure <laughs> uh i am not on big fuzzy i am on twitter at damon bell likes cars all right sounds good hey it is quiz time i hope you guys are ready um, I just wanted to update people on the score thus far. <laughs> Through most of the first half of the year, Jill, you have seven victories. Damon, you have 15 victories. I have in the, uh, the couple of quizzes I've participated in, I am one and one. So, Damon, you are absolutely the winner thus far. Hmm. <laughs> what, you, you mean you had one win and one loss? That's correct. Okay. Because right. you did the quiz once, and Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions did the quiz once. That's right. I won yours. I lost Sam's. Okay. To you. Yes. Yeah. I, re I recall with that. Your, with your half point. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. It's quiz time. Today's quiz is on sales. We just wrapped up the first year of sales for 2021. It's been a really weird year. And as we know, there's a chip shortage, which is just crushing auto, auto manufacturers and killing supply on dealer lots. Here's an interesting fun fact. The sales rate in April was almost 19 million units, which would have been a record. It dropped to just 15.3 million units in June. That's what's happening out there. It's crazy. But I've got some sales numbers here, and that is what our quiz is based on today. Damon, you start this week. I hope you're ready. Hmm. I am. All right. This is an open-ended question. I need you to give me an answer. What was the best-selling car? Not car, not crossover. Best-selling car in the first half of 2021. No list. No list. No multiple choice. No. Mm, car. I'm just going to go with the obvious choice and say Toyota Camry. Toyota Camry. Jill, this question goes to you. Best-selling car so far. Okay. So I was totally going to say Toyota Camry as well. Um... I'm trying to decide if I want to deviate from that. That that's the I mean like that's just to be different. But no, I, I think uh, well no, I'm going with Toyota Camry. All right, you're both on the board with a point. Mm. This is I'm glad I didn't game. deviate. <laughs> this could be the first ever. Both of you get five out of five. Could be. Uh, Jill, which sold yeah, best? <laughs> Jill, which sold best in the second quarter of 2021? Just the second quarter. Uh, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, that's Ford's new electric crossover, or the Volkswagen ID4, Volkswagen's new electric crossover. So when you say sold better, you mean sold better than the first quarter, or you mean sold better than the other one? Good question. Better than the other one. Okay. Um, ooh, I'm going to say Mach-E. Mach-E. Damon, this question goes to you. Mach-E or ID4? Both really obnoxious names. I don't think Maki. I, I don't think Maki is obnoxious. All right. 
Sure. <laughs> All right. I will agree with Jill and say Maki. Oh, man, it is two and two. Mm. All right. This is anybody's game. Damon. <laughs> Damon, which sold better in the first half of 2021? The Hyundai Palisade, that is Hyundai's large midsize crossover, or the Kia Telluride, Kia's large midsize crossover, and those vehicles are very closely related mechanically. Yeah, oh, this is a oh, this is a good stumper. I, I feel like we kind of covered this ground before, and my first instinct is to say the Telluride, because um, I know that's selling like crazy, but... I think on a previous show, it, it's actually the Palisade. So I'm gonna I'm gonna guess Palisade. Jill, this question goes to you. Palisade or Telluride? One sells better than the other. Which is it? Yeah, I'm. My first instinct is to say Telluride as well, because for whatever reason, even though the vehicles are basically identical under the skin, the Telluride is like selling like hotcakes but there's a it's part of me that looking well says you beauty says beholder me. beauty and beauty is in the eye of the beholder um but here's the thing because telluride has sold so well i'm wondering if there's a scarcity of Ooh. tellurides ergo the palisade sold better just because there weren't enough tellurides um so that that's that's where my thought process is um, I'm very tempted to say Palisade just to agree with Damon and keep, but you know, even. But I'll, I'll diverge. I'll say, I'll say, Telluride. Mm, so Damon strategy. says Palisade. Jill says Telluride. This one is really close. Hyundai Palisade forty-three thousand five hundred. Uh, Kia Telluride forty-five thousand four hundred. Oh, Jill's right. It is now three to two in favor of Jill. Jill is on her way to a perfect game. <laughs> I'll, and I'll I, and I no longer am. <laughs> oh. Jill, this question is a complete non sequitur. Uh, okay. Jill, which sold better in the first half of 2021? The GMC Canyon or the Kia Forte? That is GMC's small pickup or Kia's never discussed compact car? <laughs> Not not stacking the deck or anything right there. Um, both vehicles are not talked about very much. That's true. Um, and, and by the way, I would like to point out, known sequitur is like one of my favorite phrases. And I don't know if they still have the cartoon called known sequitur out there anymore. Um, but that kind of like replaced the far side when the far side went away. Um, but I loved that cartoon when I still got a physical paper. <laughs> For, so that was my non sequitur for you. Um, but, uh, okay, can, you said Canyon or the Forte? Yeah, I'm going to give you one clue. It's not even close. Oh, my. Okay. Um, and you're, you're asking which one sold better. That's right. I'm going to say Canyon just because trucks are hot right now. All right, you picked the GMC Canyon. Damon, which sold better in the first half of 2021, the Canyon or the Forte? Just to mix it up a little bit, and I think the Forte might be one of those vehicles that's quietly a really good seller. I'm probably going to be wrong, but just to mix it up, I'll say the Forte. Damon, you have tied it up. It is the oh. Forte. The, uh, the Forte is quietly a massive seller, 62000 in the first half. The GMC Canyon, just 12000 Oh, That's wow. It? Wow. Yeah. I would not have guessed that that low. Hmm. All right. This one's a good one just for all sorts of reasons, and we can probably talk about the implications here for weeks, but we only have 10 minutes left in the show. Damon, which of the following large luxury sedans sold best in the first half? The Audi A8? the BMW 7 Series, the Genesis G90, the Kia K900, the Lexus LS, or the Mercedes-Benz S-Class. Which sold best in the first half of 2021? Ooh, that's a, that's a brain teaser. Can you read through the candidates again, please? I can. A8, 7 Series, Genesis, K900, LS, or S-Class. Boy. One clue, the winner won by a lot. Could it be? Uh, my guess is going to be A8, the Audi A8. All right, Joel, this question goes to you. 
Um, so I am gonna actually say Genesis, and it's primarily, I mean, one, people have less money to spend and Genesis is packed with value. But, but two, you, you kind of, um, I, I don't know if you're trying to steer me wrong, but your whole, you know, the implications comment kind of steers me in that direction. So no. I'm going to, I'm going to say Genesis. No, I'll tell you what the implication thing was in a, in a moment. Actually, the winner by a lot was the BMW 7 Series with 3,900 ah. And this is the interesting thing, followed quietly by the Lexus LS at about 25. Really? Yeah. Next is the Audi at about 1,100. And then, it, uh, I'm sorry, next is the S-Class at 1,400. The A8 at 1,100. The Genesis G90 at about 900 in the first half, so that is not wow. catching fire. Br bringing up the rear. <laughs> and while well, the Kia K900, okay. so low, it, it doesn't blip. Is that still actually available for 2021? Uh, I, I think they've dropped it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that explains why they sold 70 in the first half. <laughs> 70. Oh, man. Okay. Okay, so we're tied. The bonus question uh -huh. is three and three. It guys. matters. Man. All right, tie score. We go to the bonus question. This one's super easy. Uh, uh, this one goes to Jill first. I hope you're ready. Uh, Jill, I cite as my source for this question, Pizza Hut itself. Jill, which of the following oh, no. is not a specialty pizza option at Pizza Hut's located in Malaysia? Are you ready? <laughs> okay. <laughs> one of these is a fake specialty pizza. The Island Tuna Pizza. The Blazing Seafood Pizza, the Veggie Lover Pizza, or the Spicy Crab Supreme? I mean, the, the, the known sequitur there would be the Veggie Pizza because everything else has to do with uh, seafood, but I, I think they've got to have a Veggie Pizza. So can you read through the non-Veggie options again? <laughs> Island Tuna, Blazing Seafood, or Spicy Crab Supreme? One of those is fake. Uh, I'm going to go with Island Tuna because that's kind of a boring name. Doesn't that sound like the bad name of a bad pop song? Hmm. No, or bad, no. a bad band, a bad pop band, oh, maybe. Yeah. Island Tuna. Yeah. Not the song, but the band. Put your hands together for. Yeah, All Island right. Tuna. You said Island Tuna? Yeah. Damon, this question goes to you. Island Tuna, Blazing Seafood, Veggie Lover, or Spicy Crab Supreme? Uh, now you got me second guessing myself because island tuna, tuna's in the sea. It's not what what body of land it's off of doesn't really make a difference, does it? It would be weird to find a tuna in the middle of an island because they're huge. Hmm. Uh, I think I'm going to. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the blazing one because blazing feels like a ugly American. I don't do Malaysians <laughs> respond to to extreme, uh, you know, spicy is one thing, but when you say blazing, doesn't that seem like you know uh, that's a that's a United States thing? Like I don't know that other countries are as into the uh, food as a gauntlet to run. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's but, got a Red Lobster feel to it, frankly. But but isn't you know Pizza Hut in general an American thing? So. That's true. Maybe, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe they want to bring that uh, American uh, flavor. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to need an answer at some point there, Dan. <laughs> I'm, st I'm sticking with the, I think I'm going to go with the blazing one, whatever that. And, and also seafood. That's oddly nonspecific. So do you have prawns a and clams and a potpourri of. Uh, various mussels and and things just uh thrown on there seafood seems not specific so i'm gonna say the blazing seafood is the fake that'd be like going to mcdonald's for the meat burger exactly <laughs> a little yeah. vague it's a little vague yeah. strangely that's real uh, oh! <laughs> turns out that island tuna blazing seafood and veggie lover all actual items on the oh. Malaysian Pizza Hut menu. The Spicy Crab Supreme is the fake. We have an mm. actual tie this week. Oh my gosh. Wow. No one gets an autographed copy of the quiz on their desk. Has that Dang happened it. before? Have we had I don't a, know. I don't think so. I, I don't before? think it has. Do we have so to no like Rochambeau can... for it here or? 
Rock, paper, know. scissors. No. Yeah, I guess. I don't know how to handle this. I, I'll check the guide. We'll, right. we'll have to come up with something, and we'll do like maybe another uh, tiebreaker next week. A dance off. You'll have. Yeah, to. dance off. <laughs> okay. right. A, a tiebreaker to break the tiebreaker. Hmm. But enough about foreign pizza huts, Damon. What's going on at the CG Daily Drive this week? Uh, we've got some great articles up. Uh, we've got a gallery. Do you remember back in the days when fuel injection was a novel enough bit of technology that it was worth mentioning in an ad? I do. Yes. I do remember. Yes. So we've got a gallery of classic car ads that show classic and not so classic, I'll say. Some of them aren't all that old, but uh, all of the, the thing that ads have in common is that they all uh, mention, boast about the fuel injection uh, aspect of their their given vehicle's engines. So, that's I, I think one of the craziest ads, and everyone wants to see this in the gallery, is the <laughs> one from Mercedes-Benz, where there's a guy looking under the hood of a Mercedes-Benz, and the caption reads something along the lines of why pay $369 for Einspritzung or something like that. And they're literally, the upsell to fuel injection back then was about 400 bucks. And it's, there's just a lot of tech supporting your decision to yeah. go with fuel injection because it was optional. <laughs> and you, and, and I, this is something that I always neglect to do. Now, the, that article, the, the ad you're referring to, Thomas, from 1964, you have to you have to kind of have it in your head. That is in nineteen sixty four dollars. So three hundred sixty nine dollars yeah. sounds like nothing today, but that was a huge chunk of money in nineteen sixty four. When you consider that the entire car, even a Mercedes Benz, was what maybe four or five thousand bucks back then. Yeah, something like maybe a little bit more, but yeah, it's a yeah. huge chunk of the price of the car. Right. Yeah, so uh, lots of uh, yeah, interesting kind of historic uh, uh, ads there. Um, we, <laughs> we've also did have our full test drive review of one of the brawniest toys in Jeep's mm. toy box. Uh, I should say sandbox or dirt box or wherever you might want to drive it. That's the 2021 Jeep Wrangler Unlimited Rubicon 392. Um, they actually did it. They shoehorned a Hemi V8 into a Wrangler. Yeah. Yeah, that's a crazy thing. Well, guess what we did again? Oh, are we already out of this? Oh, we're already out of time. Yeah, we did. Yeah. You know why? Because the quiz was brilliant and engrossing. That's what happened. <laughs> brilliant and engrossing with a tie. Uh, well, that's not my fault. You guys should have studied. <laughs> All right, special thanks to our guest today, Brian Bellafort. You should have studied. How? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. All right, thanks to Brian Bellafort. Thank you, Jill and Damon. Special thanks to producer Lady B and the good folks here at WCPT AM820 in Chicago. A big shout out to my friend Steve and Johnny. If you want to be added to the Car Stuff mailing list, and you really do, drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That is carstuff at consumerguide.com. Hey, here's a thought. Let's talk more about cars again next week.